Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Broker Freight Listening Session. The voice you heard there was that of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's principal operator for the listening session on broker freight transactions this past Wednesday, October 28th. He was about to detail just how folks on the call and watching the webcast could signal their intent to comment. I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, you'll hear that comment they did. Quite a lot of thoughts from the broker side of the equation at the top, but with truckers further weighing in in roughly equivalent numbers as time went on, though I see the broker group, the Transportation Intermediaries Association, is already claiming victory after the session of a fashion. Cue the subject line of the email they sent around yesterday, quote, TIA comes out on top during FMCSA rate transparency listening session. Eh, you be the judge. At issue specifically in the session were three petitions all told. The first two from OOIDA and the SBCT, uh, SBTC group. Both OOIDA and SBTC petitions asked for prohibition on brokers requiring truckers to waive their right to review brokers' transaction records and contracts. Common enough today. OIDA went further to ask for an automatic disclosure of records to be required to go to shippers and carriers within 48 hours of any brokered load. The third petition, though, was a counterpetition of sorts from TIA itself, which went the exact opposite way to ask for 371.3c to be stricken from the regulations itself. 371.3c is the part of the broker regulations at principal issue here. It enshrines that all parties to a broker transaction have a right to review the record, including any freight charges. Here's FMCSA moderator Shannon Watson setting up the session. Given that we have already, the reason we are here are the three petitions from the SBTC, the OOIDA, and TIA. We're going to go first to those representatives in the order we received their petitions. So, Mr. James Lamb, would you please go first? And please, uh, just to let you know, please, if everyone would please limit their comments to two minutes. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for having the FBCC as a participant today for extending the comment period on our petition for uh, rulemaking to you and for releasing the TIA petition to repeal 49 CFR 371.26. We have reviewed the TIA petition in its entirety and the latest TIA comments on the FCTC and OIDA docket, uh, which were filed yesterday. And we feel we need to respond by saying the FCTC is not asking FMCSA for any new regulations as the TIA purports. In fact, what concerns us here is that the TIA is acting like 371.3C doesn't already exist, hasn't been in place for 40 years, isn't grounded in 70 plus years of congressional and regulatory wisdom dating back to the 1940s and the onset of regulation of brokers by the ICC and is now for the first time on the table to be considered. Whether the TIA and their members like it or not, transparency is already a rule and that rule has been in place for four decades for a reason. We all, knew, we all know that rule states each party to a broker transaction has the right to review the record of the transaction required to be kept by these rules. We have, uh, we have offered you folks in our comments the historical context for this rule and the reservations that the ICC had way back in 1980 about relaxing the original 1949 rule. 
In at least three instances, each time they considered whether to relax the rules on brokers, they pointed to their new rules, our present-day 371.3C, as the safeguard that would balance the interests of shippers and carriers and brokers. Earlier this year, it became apparent that big brokers were engaged in either price gouging, price fixing, or both. And so we reached out to the Department of Justice on that matter, and as we understand it, their, their investigation is still ongoing. Now that the light was shined on big brokers' practice of making carriers and truckers waive their rights to see transactional records, the ball is now in FMCSA's court to review the history of the rule and enforce the rule, an action that TIA calls on you to do every other time except when they themselves are governed by the rule. We have outlined for you uh, what you have, that you have the authority to engage in this rulemaking under 49 U.S.C. 14906, Evasion of Regulation of Carriers and Brokers. You already know that you are authorized to enforce this statute because you last changed the penalty in 2019 for violation of Section 14906 from $2,133 to $2,187. We ask you to merely clarify the rule to make it clear that waiving a right under a rule is essentially evasion of that rule and is not allowable under the law. By clarifying the language of the rule and adding our proposed language, you will put brokers on notice that they do not have the authority to deregulate themselves by virtue of a contractual provision, by holding freight car carriers are fit, willing, and able to hold out. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lamb. We'll next go to Todd Spencer from OOIDA. Good morning. My name is Todd Spencer. I'm president of the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association, a nearly 50-year-old trade association dedicated to standing up for the interests of small business truckers and professional truck drivers. Trucking in America is predominantly comprised of small business. 2020 will be the year when the essentiality of truckers was never so glaringly on display and the economic disconnect in our transportation network was most vicious. Current regulations require that brokers keep transaction records and permit all parties involved in the broker transaction to review these records. This allows carriers to know precisely how much a shipper paid and the broker and how much the broker then paid the carrier. Unfortunately, many brokers implement hurdles they know will prevent a carrier from ever seeing this information. Additionally, many brokers include clauses in contracts with motor carriers that waived 371.3 requirements. The practice is so prevalent that truckers often have no other choice if they want to haul a brokered load. To help eliminate these practices that cloud transparency, current regulations must be updated so that brokers are required to automatically share their transportation records electronically after the contractual service has been completed. This requirement would preclude brokers from keeping their records only accessible in locations that could be thousands away of miles away from their customers. This would also prevent brokers from selectively retaliating against carriers that request this information. In other words, brokers would not be able to put carriers on a do not use list for simply exercising their rights. FMCSA must also prohibit brokers from including provisions in their contracts that force a carrier to waive their rights to access transaction records. If all brokers were barred from requiring a carrier to waive their rights to access transaction records, then this would create more opportunities for motor carriers 
who are unwilling to haul for brokers that implement unfair and prohibitive policies. Improving and enforcing broker transparency would help motor carriers make better informed decisions about which loads they choose to haul and which brokers they choose to do business with. FMCSA's authority to promulgate rules governing brokers for the protection of the public and motor carriers, such as those proposed by OOIDA, and to enforce those rules is unequivocally established by statute. Record-keeping and transparency requirements have been a central component of broker regulations since their inception and were written to serve the greater public interest. Ever since Congress first called for broker regulations 85 years ago, the objective has been to protect the public's interest in an adequate, economical, and efficient transportation system free from unjust discriminations and destructive competitive practices of unscrupulous middlemen. Therefore, as part of the agency's mandate to ensure that brokers do not avoid their legal responsibilities by contract or imposing unreasonable burdensome disclosure conditions, if implemented, FMCSA would not experience any new burdens by adopting the new provisions we are seeking these new measures would simply facilitate compliance with current rules. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. And next we'll move to Chris Burroughs with TIA. Great. Thanks, Anna. Can you hear me? Yes, you're coming in glass Thank clear. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Chris Burroughs. I'm the Vice President of Government Affairs for the Transportation Intermediaries Association. TIA represents 1,800 3PLs and freight brokers throughout the United States and internationally. TI strongly opposes the OIDA and SBTC petitions that would codify burdensome regulations that will, that will negatively impact carriers, brokers, and the general public. These petitions came to fruition because of a temporary economic downturn that upended the supply chain because of a global pandemic. Let me be crystal clear, this was not broker price fixing or price gouging. This is an attempt to undermine the free market. TI supports our own petition to remove an unnecessary regulation that runs contrary to congressional intent and President Trump's Executive Order 13924. The regulation in question was promulgated back in 1980, where the marketplace was drastically different and at a time where motor carriers actually paid brokers a commission. In the May 12, 1980 Federal Register notice, the ICC stated that, quote, our goal in regulating transactions between brokers, carriers, and shippers is to remove all unnecessary restrictions which might impede the free operation of the marketplace. The petitions from OIDA and SBTC would do just that. There are, there are unfounded allegations that this is a systematic issue that brokers have been dodging these regulations for years. Prior to the protest, there were no complaints filed with the agency, and after the protest, there was a handful, many of which, if not all, were deemed invalid. This continues to be a solution in search for problems. SBTC asserts in their comments that FMCSA's regulation should reflect and not overrule congressional intent. TIA completely agrees, and that is why 371.3c should be repealed. In 1995, as part of the Interstate Commerce Commission Termination Act, Congress provided that shippers, brokers, and carriers may waive any and all rights and remedies provided under the federal statutes or regulations except provisions governing registration, insurance, or, and or safety. Congressional intent is clear that carriers and brokers can agree that a broker need not disclose shippers' customers' rates. The topic of potential cost was raised by the agency, and the fact is the cost will be substantial to carriers, brokers, and the general public. TI estimates the cost of between $2,500 and $10,000 per integration to ensure that a safe transmission of data that meets necessary privacy laws is met. TI believes this is not the role of the agency to promulgate a technology requirement that doesn't have a direct impact on safety. In summary, brokers rely heavily on owner-operators, as owner-operators rely heavily on brokers, as essentially their sales force. Now is not the time 
Now is the time to come together to address actual concerns in the marketplace that would drastically improve safety without negatively impacting the free, open, and competitive marketplace that makes America the great nation that it is. Thank you for the opportunity to share our views. Thank you, Chris. And now I would like to send it back over to our Deputy Administrator, Wiley Deck, for some opening remarks. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to uh, Mr. Lamb, Mr. Spencer, and Mr. Burroughs for uh, kicking us off and uh, laying out the, the foundation of, of what we're here to talk about uh, today. Uh, and I want to thank everybody who's participating in today's listening session. Again, this is a listening session. This is for us to hear from you, uh, not for you to uh, hear from us. We want to know uh, what is uh, going on in, in your business and, and uh, it, because it makes your comments and your input uh, helps us do our jobs better. We've heard concerns from truckers, from brokers, and we want to continue to gather uh, this information and this input uh, from you. And this is another opportunity to do that, uh, providing opportunities outside of the, the, the traditional methods of, of uh, the Federal Register Notice and the docket. And FMCSA has been engaged uh, on this topic from the very beginning, and this listening session is just a component of that. Uh, and we, after this listening session, the, the comments will be added to the docket of all three uh, petitions, but we still want your input uh, outside and beyond those who weren't participating today. I hope you reach out to them and make sure that uh, they are commenting uh, on the record from the in the docket. There are a, a couple different dockets on this subject. The main one opened for commentary on the OIDA and SBTC petitions uh, to bar the waiving of 371.3C disclosure requirements and an OIDA's petition to require an automated post-load disclosure uh, of brokers. That docket can be found under the ID FMCSA-2020-0150. Comments are open there all the way through November 18th. The docket for the broker listening session announcement itself, however, is where you'll find the TIA's counter petition to eliminate 371.3C entirely. That's under the ID FMCSA 2020-0190 hyphen between those, uh, those three sets there. FMCSA hyphen 2020-0190. Search either of those at regulations.gov to find them. And you'll find links to both in, blog, in the blog post that houses this podcast for October 30th, 2020 at overdriveonline.com. Back to Wiley Deck with a bit of a pitch along these, those lines. Basically... Keep those comments coming. You out there in the uh, real world that, uh, that provides us that information we need to do our jobs. Your comments help shape uh, the agency's actions going forward. So that's why your input is important. And I just uh, can't help but reiterate, those of you who would like to make a comment uh, today, uh, please remember to hit one zero, again that's one zero, uh, to provide a live comment. Uh, and you'll be, be placed into the queue. So once again, thank you for joining us today. I'm gonna to turn this over to uh, Larry Miner, and he is going to go through the, uh, a short uh, description of the, the three petitions, and then uh, he'll turn that back over to Shannon, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start this uh, ball rolling and start taking in more comments. Thank you very much. Larry Miner is FMCSA's Associate Administrator for Policy 
and will be a recognizable voice for anyone who's attended a regulatory session with FMCSA at any point over the last decade and a half, I'd wager. And good afternoon, everyone. As you've heard from our earlier speakers, that today's session is focusing very heavily on Section 371.3 of our Federal Motor Carrier Regulations. And Section 371.3 covers the records that brokers are required to keep, and more specifically, Section 371.3, Paragraph C, lays out that each party to a broker transaction has the right to review the record of the transaction required to be kept by these rules. And then we have the three petitions. We have one from the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association, and they've requested that we require property carrier brokers to provide an electronic copy of each transaction record automatically within 48 hours after the contractual service has been completed. And OOIDA also requested that we prohibit brokers from including any provision in their contracts that requires a motor carrier to waive its rights to access the transaction records. Then we have our petition from the Small Business and Transportation Coalition requesting that FNCSA prohibit brokers from coercing or requiring parties to broker transactions to waive their right to review the record of the transaction as a condition for doing business. And SBTC also wants FNCSA to prohibit brokers from including a stipulation or clause in their contracts exempting the broker from having to comply with 49 CFR 371.3 paragraph C. Then we have the most recent petition for rulemaking from TIA requesting that the agency eliminate 371.3 paragraph C, eliminate it in its entirety. And TIA also requested that FNCSA develop regulatory guidance on what constitutes a dispatch service to better distinguish between dispatch services and brokerage activities. So those are the three petitions for rulemaking that we've received. And now I can turn it back over to Shannon to lead us through the session today. Thank you, Larry. Now, without further ado, we'll go to the comment period. And as a reminder, please, when you ask to be recognized, punch access code 10 on your telephone and then we will, you will be announced. Announce your name, please, your affiliation, and whether you are a trucker or a broker, if you would, for the, before you make your remarks. Thank you. Who do we have first, Kevin? We're looking for Jason Craig. Is he in the queue? Yes, Jason Craig, your line is open. Thank yes, you for the opportunity to comment. My name is Jason Craig, and I'm the Director of Government Affairs at C.H. Robinson. C.H. Robinson is one of the nation's largest and oldest property, trade property brokers. While we agree with the petitioner's request that Part 371.3 should be reviewed since it has been unchanged since 1980, we disagree completely with the petitioner's request. In short, the petitioners have failed to take into account the context 371.3 was issued when reading the original intent of the 1980 regulation that applied to a single transaction where the motor carrier paid a commission directly to the broker. They have misled FMCSA regarding the requested remedies impact on rates in the marketplace as demonstrated by the dramatic increase in rates since the petition was filed. They did not disclose to FMCSA the many tools the petitioners provide their own members to mar monitor market rates. They have not anticipated corresponding increase in costs to motor carriers solely from the delays in payments the requested remedy will require due to information required in 371.3A5, 
for accurate accounting of non-brokerage services like lumber fees and detention time. Finally, they have insufficiently demonstrated how the request supports FMCSA's current mission to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities involving large trucks and buses. Rather than grant the petitioner's request, we recommend that FMCSA respond with one of the following actions. Either clarify to the industry that 371.3 applies only in the case that the broker is paid directly by the motor carrier as a percentage commission based on the rate the shipper pays to the motor carrier, or eliminate entirely 371.3 in the same manner that FMCSA eliminated cargo insurance requirements because regulating purely financial transactions no longer fits with the modern mission of FMCSA. We will submit more detailed analysis and commentary to the docket, including specific uh, information requested in the Federal Register Notice. Thank you for the opportunity to comment. Thank you very much. And I believe we have some people who have already commented uh, via the, the, um, the docket. So I'd like to actually call on one of them now. I'd like to call on Justin Olson with England Logistics. Justin, are you on the line? Okay, this is Justin Olson. I'm the Vice President of Legal and Risk with England Logistics. We are a broker. Um, and we want to say that um, I'll echo the comments of Jason Craig at C.H. Robinson. I also want to add to this. I don't think this is a broker versus carrier issue, that we should be in this together and supporting each other. Now, I read the, the comments submitted by Mr. Lamb on behalf of SBTC, and we agree with one thing, and that is that the regulations should reflect congressional intent. But we disagree with what that congressional intent has been expressed. If the congressional intent is supposed to be followed, then 371.3c should be eliminated. Uh, 371.3c, as we've discussed, was adopted in 1980, and one of the comments by the ICC when it was enacted was to quote, remove all unnecessary restrictions which might impede the free operation of the marketplace, end quote. Fifteen years later, uh, in 1995, 14101B was enacted by Congress, and that uh, provision expressly provides that carriers and shippers, and shippers in that definition includes brokers under the Dixie Midwest um, opinion of the ICC, so carriers and shippers can specifically waive rights and remedies except registration, insurance, and safety fitness. So Congress has expressed a manifest desire to allow parties to a brokered transaction to waive rights, including the right to contract out of disclosure requirements. This was done in, in part to protect against disclosure of rates, to bolster the concept of freedom of contract and the free marketplace. Again, in 2016, Congress enacted the Federal Defend Trade Secrets Act to protect and preserve trade secrets. This act was passed by a vote in the House of 410 to 2 and unanimously in the Senate. Under the Act, trade secrets are defined as financial, business, or economic information if the owner has taken reasonable steps to protect them and if somebody could derive economic value from disclosure of the same. So with such, a, such an overwhelming vote in favor of that Act, Congress clearly has spoken loud and clear in protection of trade secrets and rates with customers and carriers are trade secrets under the Act. Um, Thank you, Justin. I'm sorry thank you. That's, that's about all we're going to have time for. That's fine. We thank you. Comment. Um, I'd like to ask the deputy to uh, present a comment that has come through the chat. Thank you, Shannon. This comment comes from James Lee. In just about every shipper contract, 
It is the shipper who mandates the confidentiality of the transactions. If the broker is forced to share the rate information to the carrier, it will perilously affect the shipper, which will also affect the broker and ultimately affect the carrier. Without the shipper, a carrier is not needed. Things changed within the entire transportation industry with the elimination of the ICC by the ICC Termination Act of 1995. Additionally, what is OOIDA's and Mr. Lamb's answer to all of the unpaid carrier claims and or the double brokering of loads that are handled by their membership? That ends the comment. Thank you, Bill. Okay, so next, I'd, we'd like to get the next person in the queue. Uh, Kevin, would you please let us know who that is? That is uh, Nikolai uh, Sarakman. Let's go ahead. Okay. Nikolai, good afternoon. Would you uh, please say Yes, hi. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Nikolai Sarakman. I'm the owner-operator. I run uh, two truck company. And uh, first of all, I have to apologize. English is not my native language, but I'll try to make myself as clear as possible. Um, I, uh, as the owner-operator, I'm listening to everybody who are just saying before me, and what I can say is that um, it, does, it comes from the piece of paper that people wrote before, and uh, I believe none of these people have ever driven in the current market and the current condition. To me, as the owner-operator, uh, keeping uh, asking government to uh, to control this regulation is not only has it does not only have a financial aspect. I wanted to know, in effect, afterwards if the broker did double brokerage, and that will help me in the future to decide if I wanted to work with this broker. I also never heard that broker asking of my version of the contract. It's always brokerage contract that I have to sign and I have no way of changing it even if I don't like it. So basically broker puts me in a position, take it or leave it. If you want to make a living, uh, take the job, uh, take this load. If you don't, you're free to do whatever you want. So transparency, must enforce and I'm asking government to step in and enforce the transparency. Thank you. So next I will go to one of our Submitted comments. This one is from from Brett Landauer, who is with Tumalo Creek Transportation. Mr. Landauer, are you on the line? Mr. Landauer writes, I oppose this proposed regulation for a number of reasons. A vendor should not have the legal right to see the contracts of its customers. The freight broker carrier interaction is a free market transaction based completely on supply and demand. No broker forces a carrier to take loads. Carriers are free to pursue their own customers and or avoid using brokers altogether. Next, I'd like to go to the phone line. Kevin, do you have an, another speaker for us? Yes, uh, Guy Goodine. Please go ahead. Okay, my name is Guy. I'm a TG Logistics. I am a broker and a carrier. Brokers and carriers, um, in my business, we normally do flat rate contracts, not just percentages. We don't do percentages anymore. It's just flat rates. As a broker, when I do a contract with a carrier, I give him X amount of dollars. He either accepts it, comes back with a different offer, or refuses the load. I think that the uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration uh, rules and regulations don't apply 
two flat rate contracts. We've been hearing a lot from mostly brokers, so we'd like to hear from some truckers, some owner operators out there who'd like to make a statement. Please, uh, we encourage you to press one zero on your phone and Kevin will add you to the queue. Okay, who do we have next? Uh, Nicholas Rodriguez, please go ahead. Uh, okay, Mr. Rodriguez. All right, my name's Nicholas Rodriguez, uh, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. I am a driver. I am not an owner operator. I'm just a company guy, but I've been driving for eight years. I've trained guys. I've worked with the major carriers uh, for the past three years. I've worked with smaller companies because their wages are more competitive. So um, I work directly, almost directly with brokers. So uh, anyway, I'm not too familiar with uh, the law, unfortunately. But what I'm, I'm here today to stress the importance of transparency and honesty because there are just so many moving parts within this industry. And at the end of the day, a lot of the pointing of fingers uh, affects the driver, right? So um, like the government shutdown, I don't want to get political, but whenever the government shuts down, who does that hurt? that affects the uh, federal employees. It's the same thing with drivers, right? Whenever the broker and the carrier are bickering with one another, who does that affect? That affects the driver. And uh, like I said, there's, there's many moving parts and there's a lot of cause and effect um, that happens. And whenever, you know, this, this industry, it moves so fast, right? So um, the broker and carrier will lie to one another, unfortunately. The broker will book a bunch of loads that they can't carry, that they can't hold, and they need to book loads with the carrier, right? So then they overbook things. And um, then when they overbook things, all that does is it affects the driver at the end of the day. And uh, well, Mr. Rodriguez, I, I, I'm yeah. sorry, this, we're kind of at, we're at the end of your comment time. Thank you very much. I would like to ask, has anyone on the panel, uh, do any of you have any questions for any of the speakers so far? And if they do have questions, if the speakers would please uh, respond in the chat feature. Does anyone have any questions? The next voice you hear here again is that of Larry Miner, FMCSA Associate Administrator for Policy. Uh, yes, and I have a couple of followed questions there. And as, as we just heard from an owner operator or a small trucking company, I'd like to get a better understanding of to what extent do you believe the economic impact in your company has really been felt? How much money do you think you're losing out of each transaction when you don't get all the disclosure from the brokers as to what percentages they're taking? So how much additional money do you think you could have gotten out of that transaction if the brokers had been more honest? And we heard earlier from one of the brokers indicating that the shippers don't want this information shared. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about the shippers' motivation for not wanting to share this information. Okay, thank you, Larry. And again, if anyone has answers for Larry's clarifying questions, 
please put them in the chat and we will we will gladly add them to the record. Does anyone else on the panel have a question for the audience, for the commenters? Okay, seeing none, I would like to ask Kevin to introduce the next speaker in the queue, please. Okay, that's uh, Shannon Johnson. Please go ahead. Thank you. My name is Sharon Johnson, and I am the Chief Legal Officer for Mode Transportation, a transportation and logistics company on the broker side with uh, over $2, million in revenue, $2 billion in revenue and relationships with over 50,000 carriers, all of whom we appreciate their services so much. This, the third-party logistics providers are a key component in the supply chain for many shippers and carriers, from small shops to Fortune 500 companies. Mode expends major financial investments in technology to meet our shipper and motor carrier needs. This helps make freight available to some mid, small and mid-side carriers who otherwise simply would not be able to effectively compete. Brokers also carry accounts receivable for longer pay cycles and shoulder the many requests uh, by shippers to extend payment terms, sometimes 60 days and beyond, while paying carriers often in the 50 to 30 day range. We are a link in the supply chain that companies use to outsource part or all of their um, distribution and fulfillment services. We'd like to point out that rates in the transportation industry are driven by the free market and that collapse of rates in, in 2020 was not due to broker deception, but supply and demand and rates driven by the free market, not price gouging, but free market elasticity. Rates on the spot market are already incredibly transparent. Transportation services providers like truck stops provide real-time visibility to both capacity demand and pricing. This is more transparency than 49 CFR 371.3 was ever designated to generate. This transparency gives carriers more than enough to assess current market rates without having to dive into specifics on the broker's gross margin on a load-by-load -load basis. Carriers may choose to accept the rate or move on to another load. The transportation industry is highly competitive the industries had to evolve because efficient supply chains have become more have become a competitive advantage so much so that shipper customers require brokers to adhere to non-disclosure confidentiality agreements because the shipper information is proprietary information there exist legitimate concerns from our shipper customers in ensuring that the confidential information doesn't get in hands of the, their competitors they don't want information like lanes and and the products uh, lanes the products are moving in volumes and costs openly shared that's not the reality of a free market because of these concerns shippers often required uh, to require confidentiality provisions in their contracts with brokers and thus brokers are required to include confidentiality provisions in their contract language that motor carriers waive their rights uh, to see these transaction documents under 371.3 most carriers don't object because they want the business and they have no need to verify the broker's commission in a free market, as previously described. It is supply and demand that determines rates. Merely looking at the files isn't going to make a difference, which is why they routinely make waivers. But more data, Sharon? Yes? Sharon, thank you. Yes. Uh, you. You have reached your limit. Thank you very much for your comment. We appreciate thank it. I would, I would like to now read one that has come in from Keith Pillig. My apologies if I stated your name, if I mispronounced your name. Uh, Heath's question is for OIDA, what is the impact study show what does the impact study show for your estimated cost for a small broker office? Does, does anyone on the panel um, would anyone on the panel like to address or 
And if no one seeks to address it, Kevin, would you please give us the next person in the queue? Uh, next, we have Anthony uh, Todaro. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks, Kevin, and thanks, Shannon. This is Anthony Todaro, and uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the nonprofit organization called the Make Trucking Great Again Association, uh, which represents and advocates for independent owner operators and small businesses. I just want to respond to a couple of the comments made, first specifically by Mr. Burroughs about the effect on the free market. Uh, 371.3C is designed to uh, promote transparency, which promotes free market competition. The notion here is visibility, and we're dealing with transactions when an intermediary exists. In a typical transaction between two parties, obviously both parties know what they're transacting to. But when you insert an in intermediary, you create the opportunity for one of those parties to be in the dark. And that's what 371.3c tries to deal with, to make sure that all the parties to the transaction have all of the information. And that's why it's so critical and it promotes free market. In terms of carrier or shipper, rather, confidentiality concerns, as articulated by one of the speakers, that's a concern between shippers, but not down to the carrier. So if there's confidentiality requirements that extend down in the particular load, fine. But the notion that a carrier should be forced to waive rights that then provide the optics into the full transaction is what should be prohibited. I'm going to ask the deputy administrator to read a comment. We have some that have come in. Great. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, this comment comes from Ray Poramas. Dallas to McAllen lows being at 90 cents per mile rate is not right according to brokers. That is the current market rate. From Ellen Bradley, we have a comment. This affects all people. When the carrier does not know the rate the shipper pays, then we do not know how to properly negotiate the rate. And almost all the time, we end up grossly shorted and the shippers are grossly overcharged. We do have the right to accept or not accept a load. However, the brokers are bullies. If you ask too many questions, you will be blackballed and put on a do not use list. End of comment. Next comment is from Jeff Tucker, Tucker Company, member TIA, NITL. Regarding Larry's comments, brokers do not take money out of any transaction. Brokers provide significant services to customers. Today, for example, I'm planning logistics for the C-19 vaccine transportation in the dark with little guidance from the manufacturers. I don't charge my customers for this. It's part of the service and planning, and the only way I'm compensated is by hiring carriers to execute on the master plan. My margin, if there's a profit in it for me, is how I can afford to plan and float money to drivers in advance and pay carriers. End of comment. And we also have a few more comments that I'll just go ahead and read. This is from Steve. Dispatch service is like an answering service or management service is my take on it. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate that. Okay. Uh, Kevin, would you please give us the next person in the queue? Uh, that is Mark Ferrier. Please go ahead. Hi. I, I, am, uh, I was an owner operator, and I'm currently contemplating getting back into the market. I will 
completely concur with uh, the OIDA representative or the OIDA president that uh, 471.3 should remain intact and it should be enforced because I know personally while I was doing business, I have seen brokers take as much as 60% after uh, haggling with me for practically all day. And I know this because I would go to the customer and somehow the customer would start talking to me. This would be smaller customers. And they would invariably start having a dialogue with me. And I remember one in particular asking me uh, how much uh, I charged the broker. And I asked him, why did he ask me that? Uh, because again, I didn't want to, you know, I wasn't trying to get in between anyway. Anyway, we got a discussion and we finally figured out what the rates were. And the broker took 60% as an agent or a middleman. I cannot understand. I, you know, everybody wants to make money. But of course, we all have uh, fiduciary responsibilities, and the, the drivers have the bulk of the regulatory and fiduciary responsibilities um, to carry these roads. And I don't understand how a middleman thinks that they are fair for them to take uh, such a large portion of the proceeds from, from the supposedly um, cooperative venture that we're in. Uh, so, again, this rule was put in place because obviously the government realized that there was an issue. And I've heard the brokers speaking as, as, as if um, their hands are clean, but we, we, we all know that their hands are not clean. And we also understand, as one of the brokers said, that um, you have uh, companies or drivers who um, double, double broker loads and others. So we know that the payment is on both sides, but still does not make it right. And as the regulatory body, we expect that you um, you will make things uh, an equal opportunity for everybody. It may not necessarily be equal outcome, but again, they shouldn't be allowed to obfuscate and to penalize um, carriers for trying to determine um, how to um, best price their services and to not be um, undercut by their practices. And I hope that you guys will maintain the um, the regulation and fact enforce it, make, make it so that they cannot, like somebody said, put all these clauses in the contract that are solely beneficial to them and put Thank the drivers and the own operators at a disadvantage. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you Thank very you. much. We appreciate right. your comments. All right. Okay. And uh, Kevin, would you please give us the next person in the queue? Okay. We go to Jeff Tucker. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Um, my name is Jeff Tucker. I operate the uh, oldest privately held freight broker in the U.S. We're entering our 60th year. Um, company started with one person, a 51-year-old, my former, my grandfather, uh, who had a had a dream to start a brokerage. Uh, so, brokerage uh, to answer your earlier question, brokerage can start with one person. He didn't make uh, much of a profit for 10 years, but he stuck with it and made a living. Uh, my dad founded the TIA. Uh, I was a past board chair at TIA and. Uh, I, I, today, I chair the National Industrial Transportation League's Highway Committee. Former Administrator Ann Farrow I had the uh, appointed me to uh, the subcommittee of the MICSAC. I, I worked with Larry um, and, and, um, and Shannon and others. Uh, regarding 371.3C, uh, in the past eight years, the number of drivers in the for hire fleets has increased by nearly a million, bringing our totals to historic highs. Drivers uh, followed supply and demand. Lots of demand <laughs> drove up prices. And we ran that for a decade. That was the longest economic recovery this nation has ever had. And similarly, the number of four higher carriers in that space reached historic highs. 
Um, and this narrative uh, about price gouging is incredulous and, and reflects a profound naivete of how the market works. 371.3 is totally unnecessary in the 21st century. Um, I'm reminded of a Seinfeld scene where, where Kramer was uh, uh, accused of not having any business training whatsoever. Uh, brokers don't take money out of a transaction. We create value for our shippers. Um, regarding Anthony's comments just moments ago, um, there is incredible transparency in the marketplace. There's, you can you get bell-shaped curves in terms of what the market is, uh, you know, uh, or or extreme uh, extremely um, accurate readings as to what the market is paying. You get that on a lane by lane basis if you're using the tools that are available. Um, confidentiality requirements most definitely, you know, in response most definitely do go down to the carrier level because a lot of shippers do not want. Uh, their competitors to know what they pay in, uh, um, you know, in freight. It's it's a competitive advantage in some cases, and their supply chains are, um, you know, a, a testament to that. Um, publicly traded companies have been making their margins uh, public for years in their SEC filings, and you know, the only company yeah. older than me doing this. Yes, I was just going to say thank you so much. We've you we've reached your two minutes. Uh, we appreciate your comment. Thank you, Shannon. Okay, you're welcome. Next, I would like to turn it over to our Chief Counsel, Heather Eilers-Bowser, for a comment. Thank you. Um, one of the callers, the caller, the gentleman that was uh, previous to the last caller had um, referred to um, the broker as an agent for the carrier. Um, I think there's been some misunderstanding um, along these lines of how the whole legal regime of principal agency law applies in this context. I wondered if, if someone from TIA could elaborate on that and clarify that. Okay, thank you, Heather. And we would ask that, that if you have the answer to her question to, to elaborate, please go to the chat feature. I am going to reach out to Bill Kinane for a few questions that have come in. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, we have a comment from Dave W. It reads, my brokerage does more than just find a truck. We handle all the logistics for the shipper and receiver. We have tracking and TMS technology to pay for. I oppose the owner-operator independent drivers association and the small business in transportation coalition petitions for rulemaking, transparency in property broker transactions. The notion that a vendor has the legal right to see the contracts of its customer is unheard of and unreasonable to the extreme. Like all forms of free market commerce, no broker is forcing any carrier to take any loads. It is always the choice of any carriers to, to try to find shipping customers of their own. Carriers have options in the supply chain, options to choose their broker and options to opt out of utilizing a broker altogether. End of comment. Uh, we have a few more in here. This one is from a uh, phone number, uh, don't have a name associated. More data sharing means more risks of exposing that data unintentionally. The industry is already burdened enough with that risk at every level and among every type of participant. Average costs of inappropriately sharing confidential information can be in the millions of dollars. Costs of ameliorating and mitigating risk are high including costs of new procedures, training, changeovers, 
giant burden on small owner-operators who are already stressed. Also, confidentiality requirements are practical barriers to unlawful collusion. That would be anti-competitive, not pro-competitive. Nobody wants to see that, least of all the FMCSA, which is insistently pro-competitive. Thank you for the opportunity to share our views. End of comment. Hey, Bill, let okay, me, Bill, let me get, hey, just one second. Uh, you know, I appreciate the, all these comments that we're getting. I just want to make sure that uh, if, if you're a trucker and you're participating in this, make sure you're, you're, you're either commenting in the chat or you're uh, in the queue. Uh, we want to hear from you. So uh, please uh, participate and uh, make your voice heard. So thank you. I'll turn it back to Shannon. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Please, truckers, call in. And remember, okay. if you would like to get access, please press one zero, and Kevin will add you to the queue. I think Bill had another one. Shannon, I have another oh, comment. This is from CJ Carmen. One, broker transparency. The requirements of 371.3 should be made non-waivable, and the required information should be required to be produced to the prospective driver before the load is booked. I believe this is how 371.3 already reads, but that should be clarified slash enforced. Two, double brokering. Rules should be enacted to prohibit the act of double brokering, where loads are brokered from one broker to another before reaching the drivers. End of comment. Okay, thank you, Bill. Uh, I'd like to go to Kevin. Kevin, do you have someone in the queue for us, please? Yes, that's uh, Casey Robertson. Just go ahead. Thank you. My name is Casey Robinson, Vice President of Operations, J.H. Rose Logistics. Um, we are a broker, longtime TIA member, and in strong opposition to the petitions filed by OIDA and SBTC. We manage approximately 50,000 uh, truckload shipments on an annual basis, uh, providing untold number of tools and resources to our shippers. Um, to manage those 50,000 shipments, um, we utilize um, Truckload carriers, approximately 70% of those truckload carriers are small trucking companies, small businesses that operate 10 trucks or less. Um, many of these small carriers rely on our brokerage to provide them with all of their business. Our shippers and customers prefer not to deal with a multitude of small carriers because of the cost and resources associated with that. Uh, per, rather preferring to go with a broker such as ourselves. If the language is to be enacted, there is a very strong possibility that shippers and customers will defer from using a broker, therefore precluding all of these small businesses, hey there, small trucking companies business. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to comment. Oh, excuse me, Larry Miner has a clarifying question. Go ahead, Larry. Uh, thank you, Shannon. We've heard from a number of speakers so far today, and I have to emphasize that the agency is not picking sides or taking one argument over another argument. We're just trying to understand what's going on in this relationship between the carriers, the brokers, and the shippers. And I guess the question goes primarily to the brokers at this point, that we've heard from the carriers, a lot of the small carriers, that they're concerned that they're not getting as much money as they think they ought to out of the transaction. And we've heard from some of the brokers indicating that they enter into contracts with shippers 
and the shippers don't want certain information revealed. Based on the requirements in 371.3, are you, are you as brokers in a situation where the contracts that you enter into with the shippers such that you really couldn't provide the information to the carriers even if you wanted to? And could you share with us a little more of the nature of these negotiations that you enter into with the shippers such that you enter into these agreements where certain information is not going to be made available to the carriers? Okay, thank you, Larry. And if, if you would like to respond to Larry's question, please do so in the chat or press one zero for access and Kevin will add you to the queue. Okay, Bill, would you like to read a question that has come in? Yes, thank you, Shannon. This comes from Carla O'Malley. While allowing carriers to see the pricing brokers receive on loads sounds reasonable, is it really? Do we get to see what retailers pay for their products? The carrier has the final say on what they will haul a load for. The dollar amount the broker receives for their services and dealings with the shipper is frankly none of the carrier's business. The carrier can source and find their own shippers if they choose. This is what free enterprise is all about. Deregulation took place to allow for a free market in the transportation industry decades ago. Pricing and services are key to success in this industry. End of comment. And I think we have another one. Okay, this comes from Brett Lauder, Landauer, sorry. Brett from Tumula Creek Transportation. To expand a bit, I would like to echo the comment that the low rates in the spring were the result of a collapse in demand due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Rates are now near historic highs to carriers. This is showing the free market is functioning normally. Also, there are often shipments brokers run for large losses in the service of their customer and due to the need of compensating carriers at the prevailing fair market rate. End of comment. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that, Mr. Landauer. And next, I'd like to reach out to all of you who are viewing and are on the phone. If you have a comment to make, please press one zero and get in the queue. We would like to hear from truckers especially. We're hearing a lot from brokers. We want to keep it even and fair. Uh, Kevin, would you please give us the next caller? Next is Josh Jubilier. Let's go ahead. Hello, I'm Josh Jubilier, Associate General Counsel for ECHO Global Logistics. ECHO is a freight broker. Uh, before beginning, I just want to say that we know our carrier relationships are key to our success. We place a huge value on those relationships and we think that when you have a good relationship, everyone should have an opportunity to be heard on key issues like these. So thank you very much for the opportunity. With that said, from ECHO's perspective, we do not believe that 371.3 needs to be expanded. And instead, we support repealing the regulation. First, the regulation is outdated. It was more relevant when revenue was generated as a part of rebate percentages or commissions, but that's just not how we do business um, today. Today, we negotiate our pricing with our customers separately than we negotiate our pricing with our carriers. And to emphasize this, we pay our carriers faster than we get paid by our customers, which just shows that they're separate transactions. In short, the regulation just doesn't apply to how we do business today. Today, pricing is driven by the market. The relationship of supply and demand causes, causes prices to, to rise and fall every single day. 
The ebbs and flows of the market can be tracked through a number of resources, including um, the DAT, truckstop.com, Morgan Stanley, and CAS indices, uh, freight waves, or other publicly available information. ECHO's own profit information can be determined through our public filings. The point being that pricing is not driven by any one player, but the market drives pricing, and there are lots of tools to help uh, people review market pricing. Disclosure of a broker's transaction level pricing does not provide a good measuring stick. As I mentioned earlier, Echo negotiates its pricing with its, carrier, with its customers separately from its carriers, and there are a huge array of factors that can go into each of these separate negotiations, including empty miles for carriers or other services we provide to customers. Um, we often get into customer pricing well in advance of what we negotiate with our carriers, so we bear the risk of a potential loss or gain on a shipment. And the pricing and the service that we provide is often separate from the carrier, including customer technology integration, customer and carrier platforms, uh, customer and carrier facing platforms, uh, communications, lots of other services. In short, Thank you very provide... much. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just was saying that Echo is providing its own service mm -hmm. independent of the carrier. Thank you so much. We appreciate your comment. I'm going to uh, go back to Bill Kinane. He has a couple of replies to some of the questions that the, that the panelists have asked. Thanks, Shannon. This is from Justin Olson. The following addresses Mr. Miner's question regarding shipper confidentiality. Shippers seek efficiency in their distribution and supply chain costs. These efficiencies, contractual arrangements with brokers, and rate costs affect pricing for a shipper's products. They are striving to obtain lower product costs for consumers and to compete with their own competitors. Shippers consistently require non-disclosure agreements before they even open negotiations with brokers. In addition, most shipper-broker contracts contain confidentiality provisions to protect their confidential and trade seeker information. Brokers are bound to honor these contractual agreements and are contractually bound to require non-disclosure by others. 371.3c runs counter to this prevailing view and requirements of the current market. It also runs counter to 49 USC 14101b that allows opting out of disclosure requirements in order to protect these shippers' interests. They also run counter to the Fed Defend Trade Secrets Act. Mr. Olson, goes on to say, regarding Heather Eilers-Bowser question regarding agency between brokers and carriers, all parties, shippers, brokers, and carriers strive to maintain their independent contractor relationships. First, because that is, in fact, the economic reality. Second, it is done to avoid vicarious liability claims from parties injured in trucking accidents. There are a myriad of other issues, taxes, reclassification, misclassification of workers, et cetera. End of comment. Thank you, Bill. Oh, and we is have one on the panel. Oh, you've got something else? Okay, go ahead. We have one further comment. This is from Jason Craig. Mr. Miner, we feel the transactions are separate transactions and not related. The price the shipper pays does not influence the price paid to the carrier any longer. The carrier does not pay the broker a percentage of the overall rate. End of comment. Thank you. Okay, so I'll go back to Kevin, please, for the next caller. And that will be uh, Garrett or Jared uh, Casada. Please go ahead. 
Uh, yes, ma'am. This is Lori Quesada uh, speaking with Garrett Quesada. We are both truck drivers. Um, our question was is that uh, how is it that these brokers, um, I would assume that it's double brokering. We've uh, received loads um, under our company name, but yet when we get to the shipper, um, our broker ends up telling us that we have to sign in as another company. Now, Lori's question never got answered in the course of the listening session. Yet what she describes sounds like her company might potentially be unknowingly involved in a business ID theft scheme. Without knowing more about the scenario, I'll just say that it happens to both brokers and carriers with thieves after a couple of things at various times. Sometimes full load payment, sometimes just a fuel advance. A few weeks down the line, we'll have uh, U.S. Postal Inspection Service Inspector Stephen Cohen as a guest here to run through some of the red flags of these kinds of cases, which I wrote about in some depth back in February. You can find those stories in our Broker Reforms series at overdriveonline.com slash tag slash broker hyphen reforms. Lori continued on with this comment uh, about a scenario that will be uh, also quite familiar to many of you, infuriating when it happens. We as truck drivers, you know, get out there, book this load, we go to, to the load uh, to get there to find out that they end, uh, the brokers end up canceling it due to them getting somebody else uh, picking up the load. <laughs> I don't know if it's because of a lower rate or how, how that works with the brokers. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, is thank there anyone who would like to address it? Or I, at this point, is there anyone on the panel who would like to address that or would you like to, or shall I move to the next? Okay, seeing no hands, I'll move to the next, the next uh, commenter. Kevin, please. Go to the line of uh, Bill uh, McElvey. Please go ahead. Okay, uh, Miss Bill McElvey, your line is open. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Uh, I'm sorry. I was unloading. It's very, very loud here. I didn't want to interrupt. Um, I'm a trucker. My name is William McElvey. I'm a member of OOIDA, I'm a member of NASTC, I've been a guest speaker at the North Carolina Department of Transportation Safety Annual Meetings. I've been in D.C. many times, and I'm sure a lot of you who know me, Larry Minor knows me, and so does Mr. Wally Deck, uh, for many years. My concern, I keep hearing about the broker side of things, and you all keep asking to have the truckers call in. The truckers aren't going to call in because they don't want to ruin the reputation that the, the work uh, relationship that they have with the current brokers that they use. But those of us, like myself in the industry, we have heard, we have seen, we have experienced the double brokering, the false quotes, the inflated prices from the shipper, from the broker to the shipper, and by the time we get it. The thing here is, this federal regulation was meant to protect the trucker, the shipper, and the end user who is the consumer. If a lot of this is happening, and you would not be getting all these complaints from the truckers if it wasn't, okay? I'm not saying all brokers are doing it. I'm saying there are some that are doing it. We all know who the culprits are without me saying anyone. We all know who the main complaints are of the industry. 
If Mr. Beck or Mr. Meyer would like to follow up, I'll be more than happy to discuss that with them at a later time. I do not want to go public with it because I do not want any repercussions coming my way as a businessman. But if this was not happening, you would not be having this right now. The thing that I'm not hearing is the solution to protect the truck driver and the trucking company owner. When we push off the trucking company owner or the truck driver and, and we give them lower than market rates, they either have they have to decide what are they going to do. Are they going to not pay attention to safety? Are they going to pay not not pay attention to the hours of service? Is their equipment going to be safe to go down the road? Thank you, Mr. McCarthy. This 371-3 needs Thank to stay you. in there. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. We Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'd like and, to, at this point... And, and Shannon, real quick, uh, and uh, sir, if you uh, want to reach out to us separate of this uh, conversation, you're uh, feel free to do so. We'll be happy to talk to you. Go ahead, I have Doug. a comment here from Deborah. It reads, as an owner-operator, I don't want to speak, however, these brokers has become like what we are experiencing with bad police standing out amongst the good police. They are rude when asked for transparency of rates and blackball you for booking future business. Yes, we have a choice to choose a different broker, but it must be a mandate for broker transparency for bad brokers in this business. It has been proven with speaking with some shippers that carriers are highly unpaid due to lack of transparency. End of comment. Okay, thank, thank you, Bill. Okay, Kevin, would you please put the next caller on the line? And that will be Steve Perez. Let's go ahead. All righty, good afternoon. My name is Steve Perez, and uh, I work with uh, Testes. We dispatch, low fine, manage, and tech services for small operators, three trucks or less. So we can think like a carrier. Okay. And basically, when we talk to our drivers and carriers and owners, we kind of look. When you get to a lane where it's like 75 cents per load, we explain it to them, we educate them. You know, it's not the brokers that are taking a big lump sum on that. Uh, the issue is that, you know, sometimes the market is saturated with trucks. So we try to explain that. Um, however, they take it, the 75 cents, they take it because, well, they're trying to offset their losses, right? You know, they take a, a dry run from Dallas down to, you know, McAllen, Texas, that's what I heard earlier. Um, well, at least they get free gasoline. That's how they think about it on some owner operators. However, we do tell them, look, we can't just call the shippers and try to find you a $2 load either. So they take it. That's one part. Now, if the carriers, um, you know, think that way, they can start to educate themselves a little bit. But you're right on some of the comments that have been given here. There's a lot of predators out there, and it's it's gaining. You know, maybe 10 years ago it was 0.5 percent, and today it seems like it's 20 or 30 percent. I've seen some brokers be very predator. They tell on the broker carry agreements that we sign for for our owner operators, um, if you don't download this app for GPS tracking, we'll deduct 500 bucks. Really? You know? So that's one part. And that's where the transparency kicks in because carriers want to know, okay, well, you're making $4 uh, 
uh, a load or per mile or whatever, shouldn't I, you know, get better rates than that? So that's one part. Of course, it's not all okay, the names. Mr. Perez, the Mr. Perez, Mr. Thank you very much. I think we're we're just going to have to leave it there to allow others to participate. Thank you for for speaking. Okay, Bill Kinane has a couple more questions. Bill. Thanks, Shannon. This comment comes from James Lamb. We note there is no waiver of 371.3C in the modal broker carrier contract. If the carrier is bound under this agreement to keep the information received from the broker about the shipper's rate information confidential, then why is this clause not good enough to keep the shipper information confidential? Are you saying carriers just can't keep a secret are somehow inclined to routinely breach this confidentiality provision? End of comment. Thank you, Bill. Kevin, would you please give us the next commenter? The next is Fred Bowerman. Let's go ahead. Hello, this is Fred Bowerman. I'm an organizer with 104 DC. We're trying to help uh, raise awareness with driver issues and things in the industry. Um, my, I'm, I'm a former driver. I haven't driven in almost 30 years now, but you know, I still love the industry and I'm still concerned. And the one thing that I like to relate this to, and I think all the brokers that are on here that have commented, I don't think there's one of them that would enter a real estate agreement with their real estate broker without knowing how much they're selling their house for, how much the broker's getting and how much the, the person is buying the house, you, you know, that's all disclosed. We all expect that when dealing with those kind of things. And I believe that I believe that 371 was put in there for that very reason. The same reason we have disclosure in a real estate agreement to protect our interests and everybody it's fully disclosed before we sign the contracts. I believe it should be the same way with the trucking uh, brokerage and, and what's going on. That way everybody knows what's who's getting what in the transaction. And I, I believe that's okay. the intent of the rule. Okay, thank you very much. We appreciate your comment. Kevin, would you please give us the next commenter? Okay, next we have one more, please. That will be Tony Lewis. Please go ahead. Hello, yeah. Okay, y'all have to give me one second. I'm actually signing for Mr. Lewis. He's a uh, hearing impaired operator for out of JDM Expedite. His comment is, okay, you have a lot of these brokers here who, when they book load through the companies or through the shippers, hold on, it's more or less where you get a lot of the brokers, they, they tell you one thing, they tell the shippers something, but then they tell the company something totally different. And if like, and I'm, I'm we're commenting on what the last caller has said, where if we don't download that app from them so that they can physically track what a load is at, it becomes an issue to where they want to charge the company. And then the company's like, okay, well, we're going to put that charge back onto the driver. Okay. Thank you very much. We appreciate your comment. Do any of the panelists have any clarifying questions? Okay, seeing none, we'll move on to the next. Uh, Kevin, would you please give us the next commenter? Uh, Richard Early, please go ahead. Well, it seems like we're kind of dancing around the whole problem here. One of the problems is 
a lot of the carriers, the majority of them, are running about 38% of their miles empty. Then they come back and say the brokers are taking too much money. Well, yeah, they're not making any money if they're running empty that much. I mean, come on. There was a guy in Oklahoma City, <coughs> excuse me, that I spoke with the other day. He got empty and he's going home. He lives in Denver. 638 miles empty. But we're supposed to be at fault for these guys not making any money? Why is that? I'd like the gentleman from Oida to answer that for me. This comment comes from Todd Spencer. Shipper interests in non-disclosure should be fully satisfied with broker-carrier agreements that routinely require non-disclosure and usually non-compete. End of comment. Thank you. Okay, Kevin, would you please give us the next commenter? And before you put them on, I just want to let everyone know that we have just passed the 10-minute mark to the end. So if you have comments, please uh, and press 1-0 and ask to get in the queue, and we will get to you quickly. Go ahead, Kevin. We'll go to the line of uh, Victor Houston. Please go ahead. Hello, thank you. My name is Victor Houston. I am uh, an owner-operator. And I'd like to say I actually echo the uh, sentiments of a gentleman that spoke uh, a few people ago. Drivers aren't putting up a fuss and giving flag if they didn't uh, have you know, factual information about uh, the difference in price and, and what we're getting, the things that aren't fair. It's not speculation. Um, and I'd just like to say plainly, anyone who doesn't want transparency and doesn't want full disclosure, they they have something to hide. If you, if you didn't, then it wouldn't be an issue if brokers feel like they provide uh, value and provide such a service, then they can prove that. And you can do that having full disclosure, that those things don't have to be shrouded in order for you to feel like uh, you're, you're getting your value, that, that sounds like you're taking more than your fair share. Uh, and that's just plain and simple. Um, they do provide a service, but not to the degree of which they are taking uh, a cut. It's just, it's just unfair. And again, that is not to blanket all brokers. Of course, they don't uh, all do that, but they're, uh, there's probably the vast majority and uh, I've been around long enough, and I'm sure a lot of other drivers have also. Uh, and again, it's just not speculation. These are things that they know. So that stuff needs to uh, remain in place. That clause needs to remain in place. And of course, the, there does need to be uh, absolute full disclosure. And that's for um, everyone's protection. Uh, for everyone that says that drivers have options and to, uh, to try and blow it off and say, well, they can choose another broker. Well, we do have options to choose other brokers. We also have options not to run, uh, not to run at all. We also have options to, you know, get together and get licensed and form our own brokerage. There, there, there are other options. And, and I don't think uh, the people that are saying that actually want drivers to take uh, full power of the options that they have. I think they're, they're more so just trying to bluff it. If we did take okay. um, some of the Thank options that we have, you guys would like that. Thank you. Thanks for hanging with us to the end. You've heard pretty much all the viewpoints there, minus a repeated emphasis from one of the brokers we heard from up top that they view the brokering process in the current environment more like two totally separate transactions, one with the shipper and one with the carrier. Now, what's your thought on the subject of 371.3c, which enshrines that uh, carrier and shipper right to 
records of a broker freight transaction. Tell the regulators for sure, but you can also weigh in with your voice for a future edition of this podcast by leaving a message on our podcast line at 530-408-6423. Be sure to state your name and location with any message. And until next time, keep it pro out there.